Only earlier this year did I actually start college. And, uh, it's been an alright time, you know. I've, I've been having fun, been doing my work and everything, you know. And I'm around halfway through the first semester, right? I'm a bit past the halfway point. And it's been a pretty good time so far. And I'm almost already, uh, like I'm, right now I'm almost broke. <laughs> And so, I kind of want to talk about money management from the perspective of a person at college. Because at college, there's a lot of things that you're expected to do. You know, you're expected to go out to parties, get drunk, do all that shit. You know, and I haven't really gone to parties at all, but I have... I have spent quite a lot, a considerable amount on alcohol, but I don't think that's the the reason why I've gone bankrupt. I actually think that it's takeout, right? Because takeout food is a really interesting phenomenon, I guess you could say, where, uh, wherein you know I just have this desire to consume things. And a desire to not put in the effort required, which is 10 seconds of, like, take this out of the packet, put it on a thing, wait a while, flip it, right? That's that's realistically all the effort that, that you have to go through to, to, you know, cook a meal. Like a fucking piece of chicken, right? I just fucking throw that in the frying pan with some butter or some oil. And then, you know, I wait a bit. And it's done. So, in my cost-saving efforts, I've decided to go to primarily eating top ramen noodles. Um, and that, like, in... They're not actually the top ramen brand because I'm an Australian, um... So they're $2.75 for a six-pack. And that usually will equate to two days of meals, right? Two days of meals out of a a five or a six-pack of noodles, which is $2.75. Now, the thing is, is that if I went to an Asian grocery just around the corner, uh, instead... I would be able to buy these noodle bowls. Now, these noodle bowls are a very interesting phenomenon. They're a very interesting case. They they kind of go against the grain of everything that um, you would expect. They are actually more expensive than a six-pack of these noodles. But what the noodle bowl provides is about 12 times as much salt as you need for a day, and... They provide as much food as I would eat in a day. So, one thing that a lot of people think about me is that I'm a rather large guy, therefore I must eat a lot, right? I'm six foot tall, I I am pretty heavy um, as well, but I'm on a constant journey to lose weight. Um, but, you know, 
there's there's obviously you know just this desire to not put in work and such that that comes up uh that that just leads me to you know ordering takeout every now and then um so so like even though i am such a large guy i barely eat food so <laughs> let me let me like elaborate on this right like typically in a day i i eat one meal or two meals depending on when i wake up so depending on the time of day at which i wake up i i might only eat one or two meals because uh because typically the reason that i eat is because i've left my house and headed out into the city right usually for college um and that's one thing that I don't do that seemingly everyone at my college does, which is live on campus. I don't live on campus. I live off campus. I live in my own apartment. And so this affords me a whole lot more time to just do whatever the fuck I want, realistically. I don't have to participate in any of these dorm-related things. I don't have to, you know fucking talk to as many people and I don't have to deal as much with the I, I don't have to deal with the same things that they have to deal with and so for me that's a really simple kind of thing that's something that I'm able to deal with really simply right um cause you know a lot of them they uh they cook in groups and stuff like that I don't have to do any of that stuff, you know? It's, it's like, if I want to have my boys over, I can have my boys over, you know? If I'm, uh, if I'm, you know, like, dating some girl, then guess what? She can come over, don't need to worry about anything like that, you know? And it's this kind of dichotomy, though, because on one end, you know, I've gained all of these things by just not doing what these people are doing, but I have lost a degree of social interaction. And this social interaction is something that I often have to come to terms with in terms of, like, I have to come to terms with because, you know, I'm not only someone that doesn't get a lot of social interaction, I'm also someone who, you know, doesn't go out to the big nightclubs. I rather, you know, go to a small bar and hang out with my friends there, you know, only have a couple of drinks, or, you know, if I'm actually going to go out to get drunk, I'm getting other people to buy drinks for me. Because even though as a guy, it might seem like it's difficult to get people to buy drinks for you, really easy to just jump on someone else's, like, um tab, you know, um, my friend Brad, right, um, he doesn't drink at all, but what he will do is he will buy drinks for a group of friends, and then there's also very cheap drinks which you can get that you can drink over a very long time, things like cocktail jugs, which are like $25 or whatever, 18 to $25, and, you know, you can drink that 
over the course of a night, um, and even though you won't be getting substantially drunk, you will have a tasty drink over a long period of time. And so that's the, that's the biggest struggle is how do I pace myself, um, drinks to, you know, um, time wise, because say, so my friend Brad, he has these three friends. One of them's Korean. Um, and the other two are nerd, like they're all nerds. Um, and they have trouble, you know, they're, they're socially awkward nerds, kind of like myself. Um, except I'm able to talk endlessly without being drunk to other people, because I'm able to ride the flow and control the flow of conversation exceptionally well. And this is one of the key reasons why I um, get paired with these socially awkward people so often. Because despite their unwillingness to talk, I am able to coerce them into talking through the amount that I speak. So... This comes up a lot when I'm doing presentations and such. Uh, if I'm presenting, let's say I have to give a 10-minute presentation, I will write five minutes worth of notes, okay? And then I can fill those other 10 minutes with expansion upon those notes and elaboration and dissection of those notes, bringing up counterpoints and things like that. And a lot of it is because I have an absurdly trivial knowledge, which allows me to, you know, compare things and I can point out, you know, when something came from, even if I'm not that intimately familiar with it. Uh, and it's just that I have this kind of sense of, I guess, duty to memorize a lot of things, to act upon a lot of things from my time in stuff like debating and, you know, uh, from when I was a performer, you know, uh, I performed in a Bell Shakespeare Theatre Company, uh, schools festival production specifically, uh, which was called, uh, it was Macbeth. It was the production of Macbeth. It was the, the schools, uh, schools festival production of Macbeth. And I gave this incredibly long speech in it, right? And and this long speech, I was able to deliver incredibly well. Um, but that was realistically where my knack for memorization of things came out. Because before that, I had played piano when I was in my youth. I played guitar a bit later. Um, you know, I, I did multiple things that required memorization, but nothing quite grasped my memorization quite like musicals or or acting. And so then, when I entered my later stages of high school, uh, when I was in years 11 and 12, whenever I had to give a presentation, I would not prepare them um, like I did in in the years beforehand, because I had discovered this knack for memorization. So what I would do is I would bring up something and then I would just memorize articles off the Wikipedia entries related to that. And it brought out this kind of concept where instead of having one solid chunk of information, instead of structuring it like that, I would there, I would just have these tangential readings of things. Uh, and this has kind of impacted me in terms of essay writing, um, 
in a more conventional sense. So for the academic essays that I write, I am incredibly free-flowing and I attempt to use as few quote quotes as necessary because referencing takes up a lot of time and writing a bibliography is boring. And then the, the other, you know, element of it is that I am... <laughs> the other element of it is that I'm incredibly good at free-flowing information. The rigidity of the structure of the essay forces this kind of truncated form of what I would be doing. So I wrote this one essay about uh, Katsuhika Hokusai's print, The Great Wave. And it's not an incredibly amazing essay. It It's rather well written from, you know, the perspective of the people that are reading it, but that's because the people that they're talking to, the people that they're reading essays from, are artists, they're not writers. And so, myself, as a writer and as an artist, I'm kind of able to bridge that gap a bit better than other people can. Now, there's a lot of people who do narrative writing in it, and they just are horrible, horrible at essay writing. And as I've said, I am horrible at essay writing just because of that structure, because of that truncated nature that doesn't allow for from for that tangentiality, you know. And so, you have to come to terms with the the concept that is, you know, uh, this this very kind of shortened version of what I would be saying. Because I'm incredibly good at talking unscripted. That's why I founded a podcast like Neotaku. That's why I have done interviews with people. That's why I have, you know, recorded just myself rambling. That's why I've done this. And I want to get better at extended talking, mainly so that I can reduce the amount of tangents that I go on. Because this point was originally about socially awkward girls and bars, but it became about essay writing. And that's the flow of conversation, and that's the flow of conversation which I have such good control over, and that control is what I need to bring to the table in my social circumstances, because I can't osmotically absorb the socialization from my surroundings because I don't live in a dorm. And the dorms are my reason for not cooking because I don't live in a dorm, and so I'm much more often going to buy takeout because there's no one who will cook with me. So you kind of realize how many steps that this, this conversation has taken, even though it's just a monologue. And that's the first ever episode of extensive monologues by an almost insane college student who, you know, is starving to death. Yeah. So, thanks for listening, and consider following me on Twitter, at Joji Matthews. Bye.